1: Welcome to Turnbuckles, I'm John Reinman, and I got kicked out of Red back seat at a Celtics game. I am Tommy Rico, and
0: I was tough enough to have the entire cast of MTV's Tough Enough thrown out of a bar.
3: I'm Julie Harrison-Harney, and this NBA playoff season, I'm really pulling for the Washington Generals. I really think it's going to be their year, guys.
1: Yeah, Julie. I'm glad we made that bet. But we have a special guest joining us to talk basketball and wrestling today. It's the radio voice of the Boston Celtics, Mr. Sean Grandy. He's going to be joining us in just a few moments. But first, it is time for the raw recap. Raw recap. All right. So, Julie, I know you were a big fan of the 24/7 wedding. So, I'm just going to I'm going to hand it over to you because our truth.
3: I don't I don't need to say anything else. Our, our truth stole the show. And I think our truth should steal the show more often on. Can we
0: can we call Rob. him Reverend Killings from now on?
3: <laughs> yes. Uh, can you guys can you guys confirm to me, what's the difference between a marriage and a commitment ceremony? What 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 are we? There was a big distinction on the show. It's I'm not, not a wedding. I'm not say that
1: per my it's lawyer. The diffe-
0: Yeah. It's the difference between a hospital and a local medical facility. Got it
1: got it <laughs> <laughs> could Thank be an you. urgent care could be a minute clinic veterinarian yeah, yeah could, sure, be a cat sure. could be a crystal
0: shop yeah got exactly
1: it. so we had i don't even know how we got it we had reginald and dana brook singular
3: brook yeah that was yeah no, no s are true okay
1: so Brooke and Brooke went banana uh, i wonder if that's a pat patterson homage i wonder Cause it's funny it's working and then it was, um, who is it? It was Tamina Snuka and she's marrying Akira Takira Tozawa. Akira Tozawa. Yeah, Tozawa. Takira. <laughs> but I was trying to remember who started with who, because then they play musical chairs and everyone They did. They, I,
0: hey, I, I just gave them, as a couple, I gave them a name, Takira. There you go.
1: Julie asked an interesting question about Tommy. She wanted to know our favorite WWE wedding. because yes. we, we go back. and So I want to hear your answer, because I think our are probably going to be the same.
0: I'm go- I'm going to go rogue on this one, John. My favorite was the Triple H Stephanie McMahon uh, Little Chapel mm. wedding. That was oh, my favorite okay. because it was a huge twist. I mean, they put th- they advertised that in the newspapers and stuff. They spent a fortune uh, advertising a program that was already really popular and then that swerve was fantastic i love the one that you're going to discuss but my favorite is triple h We well, don't
1: know because the funniest one to me was uh uh lita and edge because just cuz of the priest with the line of in the name of jesus christ and then kane's head his bald head pops through the- that's so that's naked gun well, that had to be bruce right it's gotta f- f- be bruce it's yep. gotta be bruce gorilla there's no one on the planet other it's probably bruce that's a Leslie Nielsen fucking joke. And then, uh, but I mean, my heart says Randy Savage and Elizabeth. It's the match made in heaven from SummerSlam 91. But then hijinks ensued. So yep. if anyone wants to go watch SummerSlam 91 on the winged rainbow, that's what we're calling the peacock now. It's the winged rainbow, the peacock network. Uh, check it out because some uh, ominous things happened after that wedding. Yeah, there was um, an uninvited guest. Couple uninvited what? guests. Never. Yeah. No, Uh, things never go
3: awry at a WWE wedding. uh,
1: We also uh, last night uh, we had we opened the show with Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins. And uh, if I were to describe I do this every week, uh, Seth's uh, attire this time, um, I would say that uh, he kind of looked like Polly Walnuts if he was managing a rainforest cafe.
0: I mean, I enjoyed the satin track suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't have paired it with a pair of formal shoes and a black tie. Uh, I th- see. <laughs> like I, I, loved was, I
3: loved it. I loved it. I don't know
0: about you guys. I, I loved it. I loved it. I didn't love the accoutrements I
3: just, per se. I need that in a, in a women's size. I would it absolutely comfortable. like it.
1: it. So, so I think, you're a fan. I
3: think he's transitioning from work from home to in the office. And, <laughs> and this is just the world we live in now. So
1: hey, it. you know it. what? Maybe that's our compromise. You know what we always say? Let the writers wear flats, get rid of the ties. That's the outfit from now on in the office.
3: It's the uniform. It's the uniform we can live in. That. That's how I'm that's how Vince it.
1: That's how Vince used to dress in the early nineties, like news host and <laughs> primetime wrestling. Julie, have you ever seen those pictures? When he was hosting Primetime Wrestling. I need to find them. What? No Oh, you know, yeah. He wore like Zubu pants and everything. And he came out. He, he, yeah. he wore Zubas. Like, Zubas. Zuba. Yeah. Zubas. Zubas. And he wore <laughs> giant like white Reebok pumps. He was like, wow. Oh. And he had like his shirt was like some kind of unbuttoned. Yeah. He was dressed like a TGIF character. And he's just like, welcome to Primetime Wrestling, kids. Do you know everyone in the audience that was staffers from WWE? <laughs> no. Really? Bruce, Bruce told us that one day. Yeah. That it was uh, like he was like, Yeah, god damn, they're in there three and a half hours. <laughs> cause Vince had to go change his pants. That's the same way they get it.
0: audience on Bill Maher's show, by the way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, and he's probably, probably gonna, gonna be wearing Zuba pants before it's well, <laughs> look at I mean, the, the kids are gonna go crazy about this. I guess it's just cause I'm out of line. Um, there
0: there is a Zuba's like He's the uh, Seth Rollins of it, comedy.
1: That's who there is, Bill is a Maher resurgence
0: is. in that look, by the way, which i Having lived through it, I cannot believe that oh, that's coming it. back. Yeah, what's like back. MC Hammer crotch hanger pants are next, and I don't want to be here for that.
1: Crotch so Seth Rollins says uh, he, he Seth Rollins is going to pick a surprise opponent uh, for Cody Rhodes. I thought he's going to pick the Men's Warehouse guy. You're going to hate the way he laughs. I guarantee it. But no, it's Kevin Owens. But to me, that was like. Because they're best friends. So they're doing the Chris Jericho, uh, Kevin Owens thing again, basically. Kind of, right? Like, is it similar? What would you say with KO and Seth Rollins?
0: It's similar, but I, so I didn't see, I I was mildly disappointed because Kevin Owens and Cody are so good and they had really good chemistry in the ring. It was a very good match. And then there was the walk-off at the end where KO said, hey, I'm not wrestling this match for you and walked Mm. away from Seth. Uh, though they hugged at the beginning. So it's similar to that. that But I want to see a feud between those two.
1: Yeah, that gets you to a part two. I think that's where, you know, that's what they'd say. They'd say, wait for the rest of the story. But that's why I kind of like that. But yeah, it did have a weird ending. It did kind of have, but I guess Cody's, they're saying it's hurt, hurt his knee at the end of the match. So, uh, and Seth did get back in. He interfered. So it's sort of a, it's a Seth Rollins, Cody Rhodes, They continue their program and I guess we might see Kevin Owens, but I thought it was good up until uh, the the hijinks. Julie. Yeah,
3: I agree. I agree. Julie. The only, the only weirdness was,
0: well, the the only weirdness was that point where um, Seth makes his entrance, introduces KO, KO comes out and starts wrestling. Seth goes away Mm-hmm. And then re-enters mid match. Like, why didn't he just
1: stay there? Yeah. He's Seth like,
0: freaking Rollins. What do you want? Yeah, you it's can a, come do
1: commentary if you want. Did he change but, his outfit he,
3: or did so, he keep the outfit? God, I no, he kept
1: outfit. the outfit. So, like, no, someone called if it. he changed though just a that little bit. That
3: would be bit. cool. That's what he should have yes, done. That's
1: my that's pitch. That's what he should have done. If anyone's listening, have him changed his outfit <laughs> just a little bit and see if anyone <laughs> picks it out. the next like, have it go from like blue to purple and just have everyone be like, "Hey, wait!" Like for continuity. That would be great. Well, as far
0: as the promo at the beginning went, though, I thought Cody got the better of that. Yeah. I thought he had the best, the best uh, lines in the segment, and for whatever reason, Seth was kind of off his game. He garbled the promo a little bit. Yep. Uh, his laugh stuck in his throat a couple times, which is always... Because that's a, a, fake a hard laugh,
1: laugh to do. Yeah. like I, like I want to give Seth Rollins credit because I've told you guys that laugh hurts me to watch, and he, like that hurts my throat to have to imagine doing that. Because that's not how Seth... Julie can back. I mean, that's not how he talks. That's not his natural voice. And Oh my God, it's the Joker for Christ's sake. So I give anyway. Seth
3: a lot of credit. I think, I think Seth is, is yeah. willing to do a lot and willing to experiment and try um, and willing to yep. put himself in places that, that maybe other superstars are uncomfortable to uncomfortable to go. So I, at the end of the day I give, I give Seth and, and that writing team a lot of credit for just experimenting with him and saying, okay, where, where do we want to go? Go with him. I like that. I, I I'm down for it. I think that's the way
1: you find that long lasting legend that Seth Rollins
3: will. We all know
1: will eventually be. As we talked about, uh, Becky and Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins. It's gonna be fun for the kids one day to go into the closet, and find all those crazy suits, and also watch all those amazing matches. But we also had a split last night. We did. Uh, Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan and Julie. You had opinions on this, but also wanted to bring a real world element. In a new segment we're calling Angles for Anyone.
3: Yes, thank you, John Ryman. I really appreciate it. That was a really great setup. I really wanted to, to highlight what this particular angle might be like in real life. Make it hashtag relatable, John, mm-hmm. I think is, mm-hmm. is the best way I could describe. So let me just set the stage for you. What I, what I think Rhea Ripley and, and Liv are going through. You go out to dinner with a friend. You maybe have a drink or two. Your friend maybe has a drink or five. The bill comes. And of course, you don't want to make the waiter split the check for you, figure out whose is what. So you put your credit card down and your friend says, I got you. I'll, I'll pay you back. And it's so easy nowadays with Venmo. It's, it's pretty seamless to send over what, what you need to, to get to a person. Um, but the friend drops the ball. They don't Venmo you right away, you know, so you have to do that awkward thing where you're like, hey, you, you, you messed up. Hey, can you can you send me the money? And the friend's like, oh, my gosh, I'm locked out of Venmo. I'll give you cash the next time I see you. So then you show up, you see them the next time you maybe you make arrangements because you, you you just want them to pay you back for what you owed for for clearly the more expensive part of the bill. Uh, they don't have the cash They're like, oh, I'll go to the ATM and I'll get it for you. Well, it just gets to a point where it's not even about the money. You know, it's more of the principle of the thing. Like if you wanted to pay for the full bill, you just want to put your on credit card and say it's like on me. But because you split it, it's just the principle of it. So, you know, John, Tommy, what do you do? You uh, you, you get a little angry. You put your finishing move on it and then you, the friendship's over. That's it. That's it. So I, I kind of I kind of equate this to to when the friend doesn't pay you back for the meal and you have to keep reminding them and it's awkward and it's weird. And you know what? You just get to a point where you're like, it's done. It's over. That's how I would summarize this, this breakup, this friendship breakup right there.
1: And this has been angles for anyone. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. Cool.
0: I think if uh, if I got to the point where someone owed me money from a restaurant and it was a significant amount, I would call Rhea Ripley to break their legs. <laughs>
1: um, I Fair point. Fair I'm point. happy
0: for this heel turn. Uh, one thing that was weird. I don't know why that Rhea had to eat the pinfall in the match. That didn't make sense to me narratively. I mean, that's a match that Liv takes the pinfall. And then if you really want to turn Rhea mega heel, well, she, she blames her for the loss and beats her up. But I'm happy it happened. I do want to point out in a recap from last week, Jerry Lawler was narrating over uh, Bianca Belair footage and he called Bianca Belair Rhea Ripley. And I'd just like to point out the fact that they are indeed different people.
3: Interesting. Yes. Thank you.
1: you, Well, we'll tune in uh, next week to see where they go. Uh, That is Monday Night Raw. It airs at 8 on the USA Network. And also tune in to Friday Night Smackdown. That's Friday nights at 8 on Fox. Also go to support AEW as well. They're on uh, Wednesday nights uh, at 8 on TBS, Friday nights at 10 on TNT. But double check because playoff times might throw things off. Uh, That does it for the Raw Recap. Raw
2: Recap.
0: This week, Turnbuckles is sponsored by EveryPlate. EveryPlate is America's best value meal kit. While most meal kits come with a premium price tag, EveryPlate offers delicious dinners that won't break the bank. Let EveryPlate plan, shop, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a consistently low price. Choose from 17 delicious weekly recipes and then, well, sit back. They'll deliver pre-portioned ingredients and easy-to-follow recipe cards right to your front door. Every plate's quality ingredients come carefully packed and pre portioned, helping you save money and reduce food waste, like that bag of mixed greens you throw out almost every week. Choose between 17 recipes that change each week and swap proteins, veggies, and sides to your liking. Think of it this way one meal from every plate is about the same price as one cup of coffee, and probably cheaper than that oat milk latte or whatever it is you like. At first, I was skeptical thinking meal kits might be expensive, but now I'm convinced that you can get the same deliciousness at a much lower price. Each week, I'm the primary cook at my home, and it's nice to be able to interchange Every Plate's recipes with my own personal recipes throughout the week. Give yourself and your wallet a break. Enjoy delicious, affordable meals delivered to your door and ready to go in just six simple steps. Try Every Plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code TURNBUCKLES179. That's one seventy nine per meal by going to everyplay.com and entering code TURNBUCKLES179.
1: Well, this is incredibly exciting. Uh, as a lifelong Lo- New Englander and, gosh, I think 26, 27 years of not missing any Celtics games, uh, we are so happy uh, to welcome in our, our guest here today. Sean Grandy, the play-by-play radio voice of the Boston Celtics. Thank you so much for joining us, Sean. How are you doing?
4: It's my pleasure. I'm doing great. I just, you know, it's after 72 hours of interviews about the series and the call, (laughs) you know, which went viral. uh, And then some over the last couple of days. I'm, I'm happy to, you know, spread my wings a little bit.
1: My favorite was that you tweeted out the one where they called you Dana Jacobson's husband. That was your name. (laughs) Within
4: earshot is the aforementioned Dana Jacobson.
2: As I, I, you know,
4: I've started to say to everybody, because that was Charles Barkley who did that, by the way, which is the last time. That's the last (laughs) wedding of mine I invite him to, by the way. That that will be the last one after that.
1: So just because of the catering alone. You have this call. There's a
4: whole, there's an entire backstory to the call, which has to do with our broadcast location and not being able to see the court. Then getting screened, we don't have a live feed on the ABC game, so I'm constantly, my head's bobbing around, the Celtics bench standing up, which blocked the court, so I'm going between the Jumbotron and all the other stuff, trying to navigate this historical moment going you know, back and forth trying to call it, knowing everyone's gonna replay it over and over again. It could be a moment of the series, the moment of the playoffs, whatever. And at the end, I got Charles Barkley saying, oh, it's Dana Jacobson's husband Dad. she spent the last we <laughs> spent the last month talking to Coach. Hey, coach, that was a great first half. What happened? I mean, that that come on, really? And I'm I'm Dana Jacob. All right, whatever. Whatever.
0: Sean, I feel like this whole segment we could just talk about who went to your wedding because I feel like that's the most interesting thing that Yeah, we you brought talk up about. Charles
1: Barkley but uh, you also mentioned earlier to us today and, and Julie, you were particularly interested in this yeah, Is it, I need did, to know we, uh, we, we had wrestlers at Sean Grandy's wedding I can do better than just being there This is going to be Oh my god
4: Mick Foley
1: what? Whoa,
4: so Sean
0: it, Grand is it holding looks up like
1: Mick Foley officiating. That yeah, yes, was it it actually like...
4: just, a, yeah, was just a reading,
1: by the way. It wasn't
4: officiating, but uh, yeah, another long story within a story. But yeah, it was a sort of not the, uh, the guest list I imagine someone like me would one day have. At. So, well, so who else was it? We had Mick Foley. I assume Jim Ross, probably, right? Uh, Jim, Jim Well, here, here's the thing about it because a lot of people that you guys would know. Uh, Iron Eagles, Kevin Harlan, Kenny Albert, a lot of my guys. Uh, oh, yeah. It was NFL weekend, so <sighs> we lost a lot of people. Uh, Doc Rivers, because the tra- Clippers opened training camp early, they were in Hawaii, so he yeah. like he was a late scratch and whatever. And uh, but there were uh, it was yeah a, a fascinating night. The people who were there were less interested in our wedding than they were just sort of like hobnobbing at the reception afterwards, trying to like you know angle different ways to talk to. Them. Um, talk to different people, but yeah, Mick was a big hit, needless to say.
1: Yeah, that is that is unbelievable. Um, it would have been great if he did it as all three faces of Foley, though. Yeah, like, yeah, you know what I'm saying like he has like, like mankind walks Dana down the aisle, and then uh, after great that, you'd have you know, dude love would bring the ring out, and then mankind does the. I mean, I think that'd be cool.
4: Danny didn't go for it, but my idea was just because of my own instinct as, as growing up as a fan and my own feel for the business was that we have some kind of false ending and bring everybody back next month.
1: Yes. You know, oh. So fill the building again. Oh, but a dusty, dusty Finish wedding. Right, exactly. I love that. You know, I was when that
4: I was, uh, I want to say 13 or 14 years old, this is when the Pro Wrestling USA shows were coming to New York and it was a chance to see a different product, whatever. And uh, there was a Ric Flair, and Dusty Rhodes match, which I got to see. And Dusty threw Rick over the top rope. Well, after a referee bump, suplexed him back in, got the three count, got the win, and then it was overruled later. And to I, it was heartbreaking to find out apparently that's not the only time that happened.
1: <laughs> no, yeah. Apparently that <laughs> happened on several on more than one occasion. Throughout Well, the- we almost said a Dusty finish in game one because they had to <laughs> Yeah, that you're right. Let me ask you a question. So you're there at the, the, the TD Garden in Boston. So you just say that to anyone in the country and they go, oh, boy, like for a basketball playoff game yeah. and say they overrule that basket. Oh. I mean, just what, what? Yeah. OK, so you might not be here with us right now. I mean, like what happens? I mean, because people went so crazy for that basket. I mean, what if there's a dusty finish at the end of that game? And oh, gosh, the Nets win. Yeah,
4: I don't know. A building wouldn't still be standing there. But the, the strangest thing about it was, and again, I've had this conversation with a lot of people, as you can imagine, in different broadcasters or whatever over the last 72 hours. What made it so unique as a fingerprint is there are two things that never, ever, ever, ever happened in the NBA. The final 45 seconds of game one played out without a whistle. Not a foul, yes. not a timeout. The ball didn't go out of bounds. Literally, final 45 seconds went straight without anything happening. And there have been buzzer beaters in NBA playoff history and in an NBA games. How many buzzer beaters are layups in NBA yeah. games? It doesn't, these things do not happen. So there's a a moment that you're you're off balance because it doesn't look like anything you have ever seen before. And even in the it calls my voice changes more than it normally does in a moment like that, because <laughs> I was half surprised that there was no time on the clock. I thought there was going to be 0.2 or 0.4 or something like that. Right. And that it actually had gotten down to zero was because I had to look in a lot of different directions to see it. That caught me it, off guard. So it was something, it was the, the uh, finish that yeah, it was a one point game and it was a buzzer beater, but those last 45 seconds didn't look like anything we had seen before.
1: It was so high. Cause we talked earlier that day uh, about you coming on and I thought it was so like, you know Kisman I guess just because I remember thinking to myself I was like it felt like the finish to a brilliantly executed was, yeah. wrestling match where like an iron man match where it's like oh we're down to half a second and there's that three count and it's just like you know cuz when you try to do that it's like oh that's amazing but wow but you said something interesting before he came on air and uh but I if you don't mind repeating but just I don't know if you can but so Kyrie Irving um I think we would say he's so it's Julian Stanford you remember we had the 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 rosters where we had the 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 heels on the right and the babyfaces on the left and uh, Kyrie would be through the paper at the, on the top of the right that right column for just bad guy in the NBA for just villain at least in Boston and I well, think I, <laughs> you know Kyrie of too. first
4: of all I think he's embracing the thing yeah. is he doesn't realize it. he carries himself and thinks of himself as a babyface that's no. all
0: all the best and bad guys do. That's a great
4: hero is the, the hero is the villain of, or the villain is the hero of his own story. Right. Which is yep. what you have to, yes. you, know, yes. you know, there's no question, but he sort of, I thought Sunday kind of embraced it a little bit and obviously yeah. he was brilliant in the game. Mm, and I yes. thought people were, you know, out of town people or who heard the call who didn't don't know my work or don't know the history with Kyrie or anything like that. were saying, well, what's that shot at Kyrie? Cause I mentioned Kyrie, you know, tried to go one on three and and it burned him. It's in the final call. And that was the whole point is that Kyrie pitched a perfect game on Sunday. It was the mm-hmm. equivalent of a pitcher pitching this brilliant gem in the postseason and then losing the no-hitter and the game and, on the last play in the bottom of the ninth because he decided <laughs> – because he just wanted that one final heel move, right, to, to finish it off. Right. And he – Again, you know, pull, pulling the guy up at the count of two or whatever, whatever our yep. analogy is, we'd want to use in this form. Yeah. He ha- had to finish it himself. So we decided yep. to go one on three against the best defense in the NBA. When a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest players ever to play, Kevin Durant, is standing to his right, and Dragic, who been hot the whole game, is wide open in the corner. And in that so one moment, just trying to tag. finish it, he had yeah. to finish it himself. And then he obviously was the guy that Tatum blew by. You know to, yeah. to finish the game as well, but it's he got small
1: know. packaged at the very end. He said, <laughs> right, "No wait right, one, right more, one more power bomb, And then he got pulled. Yeah, but you say something that he's like the heel that. He well, said and it's the whole thing guy. about right, I, could, I say this for him.
4: I won't, I won't say Kyrie sucks on the air. In fact, I make a joke during the games because no, we like, won't but, edit that in. So well, the nah, no. <laughs> kids, you know, with kids those things, games. I don't that word obviously it's so soft now, but I just am yeah, really, really no, really I know that kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah, I agree. When, yeah. So I'll say something when it's obvious it's going over the air. I'll say something about what Kyrie's wearing red socks today. I think the fans are somehow chanting. <laughs> something about it. So I don't, I don't know, but it sounds like that, but he is the way he is acting on the yeah. court, reacting to it. And then what he's saying afterwards, if I were his PR person, which I'm not, although in a lot of ways I was when he was here and everything was starting to go south yeah. is that he is only making it if he truly doesn't like it, he's making it worse for himself because essentially the analogy I use for you guys is he's, he's the heel saying, what is wrong with you people? I do not suck. Do not, don't (laughs) chant that I suck. That's a really disrespectful (laughs) thing to do. And it bothers me. You might as well do that because he's only Uh, making it. It's going to be, I mean, here's a quiz question, everybody. Is it going to be worse on him in game two than it was in game one or better? It's going to be worse because he's, you know, he's sort of (laughs) loving. And it's not to me, he's not doing the, you know, I want to yeah. bring it. He's trying to sort of talk his way out of it. And I'm uh-huh.
0: now in wrestling lingo, he's selling and yeah. selling is the worst thing that you can do. If you right. want people to stop doing whatever they're doing, That's Sean, I want yeah. I wanted to ask you. So uh, I think Carey we're around the same age. Irving. Yeah. Uh, sure. We're around, we're around the same age and my Celtics fandom and my wrestling fandom kind of went hand in hand with each other. I grew up in the new England area. And so right around the mid eighties, that's when I started watching, wrestling with my grandfather who was from Cuba and had a friend who was wrestler always believed that wrestling was real because his friend always came to the bar that he worked at all messed up from injuries. So he was convinced that wrestling was real and I'd watch the Celtics with my dad. And so this season in particular, like our, our podcast is a real sunny side up wrestling view. Like I think all of us love the business and we love professional wrestling. And no matter how bad a particular show gets, we'll always see the sunny side of it. Like I, in particular, Wrestling's real comfort food for me. Anytime that I'm feeling bad, it's something enjoyable I can put on and just, you know, sit down and, and, and feel, feel good, you know, feel nostalgic. This year with the Celtics, the beginning of the season, I think all Celtics fans went in with the most highest of expectations. And I don't know if I've ever seen, and by, by the way, myself included, so many of us fell in the trap where they didn't play well early. And it was just the last days of Pompeii. Like, I think we all undersold how difficult it was going to be for Coach Udoka to implement his new system, and all of us just blew right by that, and it was just, everyone was apoplectic. Where were you at at the beginning of the season as far as what you were seeing from the team? Because a lot of us, even diehards, we fell for that trap and didn't see it coming until the Celtics started playing well right around New Year's.
4: Well, my expectations weren't as high as other people's were because last year you had a 500 team it didn't make substantial changes to the roster and had a new coach and a new gm but i'm always the guy around here i'm always the hall monitor saying don't run too fast or don't what you know when people lose their minds but that's a fan's job is to have crazy ridiculous expectations for a team that was 500 last year and then he may not only gets the job his first head coaching job was he able to jump right into the job or did he have to go to japan for the olympics and spend the entire summer doing that because he was already committed to it and proud to do it yes he did that Did he have his entire team for the start of training camp or did two starters deal with COVID and basically miss the preseason? Did he Was he able to coach throughout the entire preseason or did he get COVID and have to sit out an entire week and then all of a sudden the season starts? And it was a roster that had some guys. Now, listen, Josh Richardson played well. Dennis Schroeder had some good game. But the roster did not fit for the way they wanted to play. They needed to run. They needed to pass and share the ball, the, the poetry of the end of game one if you were scripting it ahead of time, like, yeah. you know, like Brett and Sean in your Iron Man match, right? Like sitting yeah, on the right. turnbuckle at 45 minutes and they were exactly where they thought they were going to be. This right. is where you may thought they were going to be at this point, wow. but it took a lot of time and a lot of games to get through it and trusting each other. And look at the final play of the game in which defensively you went out this super red hot, one of the greatest offensive players of all time forced him to make a mistake and, Give Durant the ball with five on the shot clock and a terrible way to shoot. And then on the final play of the game, and this would not have happened with the Celtics team that you're referring to in the first half of the year, all five guys touched it. And the play was made by the ball moving around guys, not forcing a shot that wasn't there. And by moving without the ball and everybody touching it, look what happened. You stole a game that the Nets by all accounts should have won.
1: Um. We're gonna do something with the NBA playoffs in just a sec, but I want to ask because I, I we we brought him up briefly before. One of the highlights for me was always when Jim Ross would join you on a broadcast yes. in Oklahoma City, and uh, just do you have any good JR stories for us? Because I mean, Jim Ross is <laughs> well, he is the voice of our childhood, of yep. uh, you know, from the '90s for WWE. The funny thing like, is, if
4: you're I a guess. Celtic fan, hardcore Celtic fan. You will remember the game that took place on the night that I met him because I was I was introduced to him. We stumbled into uh, Jr. on a night in Charlotte when we were staying because we weren't playing in the next city for a couple of days. So we were staying, and WWE was coming in. It was in the championship season early in that year. Ray Allen hit a buzzer beater, a very famous yes. one in Charlotte I remember that, that yeah. night. We stayed in Charlotte that night, and they were all at a different hotel downtown. And I went in there with a friend. And there was Jim Ross. And it's like most people, all these stories, people who are friends of mine, Jim Ross, McFoley, CM Punk, all of them are people that I was like reticent to meet because you don't want to meet people you are a fan of because what if they're a jerk, right? It like ruins the whole thing. You don't, you just don't want it. And it turns, you know, obviously that was however many years ago that was 15 years ago now. And um, you know, JR has been a a great friend and someone you could, you know, someone to look up to obviously is the best to ever do, you know, certainly what he does. Um, and it's fun. He just remember Jr. is the all time greatest wrestling announcer of all time. Apologies to the Gordon Soly people out there, but it's Jr. And we all know it's Jr. But, you know, he also had aspirations to do NFL, you know, the XFL should have been that window for him to do that. Obviously at the university of Oklahoma, he was just tagged. You know, Jr. was tagged as a wrestling guy, which cost him a potential career or a side career, obviously in Mm -hmm. stick and ball, big four sports, whatever you call it. So I think he really, I think he always enjoyed coming on with us whenever we'd go to Oklahoma City. For people who don't know, uh, you know, when Jr. was living there, and he's kind of back and forth now in Florida, whatever uh, with AW. But we would have him on for the second second quarter, and Cedric Maxwell would slide out happily to go to the concession stands and. You bring a bunch of uh, JR. bring a bunch of barbecue sauce and all his products for Max. who loves to cook with them and whatever. And it just became a regular thing. And whenever we get a chance, to obviously the pandemic killed a lot of that stuff. Whenever we would cross paths or whatever, we always try to see each other. The other day or literally, as we're talking, it was a week or two ago, CM Punk was flying to Boston and I was flying to Chicago and there was bad weather that week and he was having trouble getting here. And I was concerned about getting out the next day. And I was texting him. I'm like, should we switch places? I don't think anyone would be happy with the results, but you know, just in case I get stuck in Boston and you know, he gets stuck in, he gets stuck in Chicago before we move on to the NBA stuff. When you talk about comfort food and being a fan as a kid and generationally, the reason that I can speak with some proficiency about the current product now, it's not because I have that much time to, that's the biggest problem with my job is that it's all encompassing, right? It just takes up yes. all of your time. And so you can't watch TV shows or whatever, but my son is now 10 and he at eight years old, out of the blue started watching right at the start of the pandemic and yep. fell in eight, love eight. with it. And he grew up. So his, his first year as a hardcore a fan, and I mean, hardcore mm-hmm. fan, his room upstairs is a monument to, he's got a money in the bank thing hanging from the ceiling, everything, you know, the Drew McIntyre, black, all of it. And you know, this is a privilege kid. Now, Now, first of all, he's lived behind the curtain to begin with because of my main job. And as you guys have probably gleaned the play by play voice now of Monday night raw, which I would have been a billion dollars against is family to me. It's a dear friend of mine who I did Bellator MMA with for two years. So all of a sudden now my son is behind the curtain there. And he's getting like personal videos from his hero Drew McIntyre, like we all did when I oh met Bob Backlund when I was a kid. After five years of idolizing him, I think I met him at a high school gym somewhere after a show. Oh, did you have to name all the head. presidents? First. I, <laughs> I didn't because he wasn't doing that. Now I'm, I'm too okay. old for that. This is like 1983. I did actually this was happy, fun, baby down. face Bob. I know, right? Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. White meat, baby face Bob. But here's a, here's something you would like when you talk about the comfort food and the generations. I do like telling the story to longtime fans or people that don't understand the comfort food, family, generational nature of WWE, of anything that happens to be in your family, but WWE specifically. So this past summer, I surprised him. We were on a baseball trip to California, and I surprised him. As you guys obviously know, my wife has a fairly... Prominent job, I'm told by Charles Barkley and others, uh, that <laughs> he requires sort of go different places. So I had warned him that maybe the trip will get cut short. Or we'll have to anyway. We get to the airport. He thinks we're going to San Diego. Uh, this is last August, and I start. And I tell him, "Listen, we can't. We're not going to San Diego today. We have to make a little side trip." You knew this might happen. He's like, "Okay, you know, he's a little disappointed, but where are we going?" And of course, I step out to reveal the Las Vegas thing behind me, and. Oh. 2 hours later we're on the strip with Jimmy Smith and we're having dinner and he goes to SummerSlam the next day because that's living his best 9-year-old life last year. And so here's the tying it all together. So then the main event is Roman Reigns obviously defending the WWE defending the championship in the main event is Roman Reigns. And I'm there with my son who's 9 years old. And when I was 9 years old, my first show that my dad took me to at Madison Square Garden Bob Backlund bending the title against Roman Reigns. Dad, oh, nice. That's and that's amazing. a, you know that then yep. now forever bit.
1: Yeah, that's that's, yeah, that's where, really it. Yeah, and that's just so, the that was the same thing here. I was I was eight, and it was just kind of like I the Celtics. That was the era that they they got screwed on that goal ten call. The Mikhail <laughs> actually won the game, and they said nope, doesn't count. And I was just like beside <laughs> myself, and I was like, I. We got to find something else and then it was like well there's wrestling and it was the Undertaker's rookie year so um, but we want to do a fun activity because that's what all fun activities start with is being called a fun activity but no I think this will be interesting um, so as we, we have NBA expert and longtime WWE fan and I'm going to call you an expert Sean you're an expert and what we asked Sean to do the podcast world has changed through. that with all these guys
4: doing podcasts and sort of like yeah. The- inside stuff that is happening in the eighties and nineties. And that's just, you know, you pop stuff, you pop those on. And, you know, I, yeah. I, I love to learn. That's the best part to me of being around JR is learning things. And you guys will will love this. This is three, probably close seven, eight years ago, JR comes to Boston and we're, we're going to meet for dinner. So I go down to the hotel and we're trying to figure out where to go. And somebody else walks through the hall and it's kind of like, you know, not staggering around, but doesn't really have plans. Jr. says, "Do you mind if he joins us for dinner?" And it was Pat Patterson. So oh, I'm like, uh, geez, twist my arm. Let me see if I can get a 500 <laughs> level masters <laughs> masters course and have dinner with Jim Ross and Pat Patterson." So,
1: yeah, Tom, what would, what would Pat have? What would his call have been, Tommy, for the that last play in game one? Ah, oh, we made him
4: look like a douchebag.
1: Yeah,
4: <laughs> it's going banana.
1: Yeah, just, banana singular. Yeah, it's banana it's singular. crazy
4: that two people
0: uh, on this podcast today have had a meal with Pat Patterson. And yeah, I'm not one of them. I, I got okay. to
1: I got to sit with Bruce and Pat one time, and I was writing at WWE, and um, got I just kind of was there, and Bruce very nice, and walked over, and uh, yeah, I got to hear both uh, like a douchebag and. Go banana. When, when Steve go out, they're going to go banana. So it was like, I know, and I said um, to Bruce after I go, was he doing that for me? And he goes, fuck no. He goes, fuck, <laughs> what the fuck do you think you are? No, he's the, him.
0: he's the only French Canadian who has an Italian accent. It's yeah. weird.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a Boston history too. So yep. I yep. urge everyone to go look up. Yeah, uh, he does. Yeah. Patterson. He was here for a while.
4: I got to see um, him. Um, one of the shows that, uh, one of the events, I just took my son to SmackDown last week, which was at the Centrum, and the last time yes. I was at a wrestling event at the Centrum was the night Mick won the title, and we were oh, in the yeah. back waiting. Yeah, but yeah, that's a, that's a cool ticket stub to have. Um, yeah, I was uh, I was one of the asses in the seats actually, ironically. There you uh, go.
2: One the, one the title <laughs> figure.
4: So take that, Tony Schiavone. We were in the, we were in the pack afterwards. <laughs> really, by the way, another great guy. I got to meet him last year at an yeah, five, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, with JR. Just great, phenomenal. and also great, a great baseball podcast yeah, Baseball too. announcer, too, yeah. The mm-hmm. huge yep. baseball fan, baseball announcer, Tony Schiavone. Uh, I got to see, while waiting for Mick, where Mick was driving with us. I've, I've many for many years given Mick grief about the fact that his second book begins with the story of the car ride, through the snow back from the Worcester Centrum to his hotel in Boston after winning the title. And he talks about some of the people that were in the car. Blue uh, like Blumini was in the car and the guy who he's doing the card show with, whatever. And he lists basically everybody who was in the car, except me. So I'm like, I'm like, you know, I've always, I've always given him grief about that. But anyway, while we were waiting for him afterwards, I saw Pat Patterson looking at the monitor, watching the replay of what was about to be this historic moment that I don't have to describe 25 years later because everyone can just picture it with their eyes closed, um, that, you know, with Austin coming in, that everyone, it was the biggest surprise in the world because Austin hadn't worked the night before because he was hurt. He hadn't been at the Raw because as everybody knows, as Tony told us, that it was a tape show. But on a Tuesday, the Monday show, which I think was in Providence, was a live Raw in which Austin didn't appear because he was hurt. So the last person anybody expected to be on the tape show the next night was Austin, which was, it was going to be a big pop anyway, but that's part of the pop. That nobody talks about is it? Nobody on earth thought he would be there.
1: Um, yeah. So we're going to go through uh, just every NBA playoff team with Sean Grandy real quick and just tell us uh, what WWE superstar we gave you. I think about 30 or 40 superstars. We'll just go through them real quick and just tell us uh, who you think of. So we'll start uh, out in the West, the Phoenix Suns. Who would they be, Sean?
4: You know, it's funny. I I made a list of about five or six that were obvious to me. And then after that, it was like, "Mm, I I don't know. Phoenix has been the best team all year. They're always the best. No matter who they play, they're always entertaining. So I went with Seth there. That was like my thought uh, because they're going to be there at the end. You can always plug them in. They're always going to be in the top spot no matter what. And they'll they'll probably be in the finals. Okay. The Pelicans. That's got to be – we've got to find like – you know, we keep waiting. I, well, I, you know, as who Zion is, Zion is Veer because they kept saying oh. he's coming, he's coming. It's <laughs> gonna, it's gonna here. It's next week. No, it's the week after. It's the week after that. The week after that.
1: Nothing like a good never, seven months. Never happened.
4: My son is ten, and after like WrestleMania <laughs> was over, he said, or it was something about Raw. Like we, we usually sometimes we watch it on delay or whenever he's home or a yeah. couple days but like, oh, we don't want to miss Veer.
1: You know, he's 10. He's <laughs> it's been so long, oh, that were. would have been me. Kid's
3: yeah. a comedian. Love it. Yep. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I can't imagine where he gets it, but yeah.
1: Oh, my God. I could just picture my dad being like, John, we have tickets to go see Larry Bird. I'd be like, but dad, it's Monday. Beer. Yeah. Yeah. It could be Veer. Well, yeah. and, and
0: in five years' time, we might be talking about Zion like Veer because <laughs> Veer, Veer was a minor league baseball player that had That's high right. prospects. And then in a few years, Zion might be a wrestler. So hey, they might, they might face in WrestleMania.
1: All right. Dallas Mavericks, Sean Grandy. Who do you see them being? Yeah, I, I,
4: I had a tough one with that because they're just, they're sort of technical and then occasionally spectacular because they've got Luca. Yes. I know Daniel Bryan's not a WWE guy now, but that was sort of like that, that popped into my head when I, mm-hmm. I try to find characteristics. It's tough because you end up uh, leaning towards the individual players like as opposed to the actual team itself and the, but the characteristics they usually take on are their best player, but Dallas hasn't taken on the characteristics
1: of, of Luca this year. They've been like a, an elite defensive team all year. Right. Okay. How about the jazz, all that jazz down there in Utah? I don't know. You guys help me out. Who's someone who looks like they're going to be the best. They look like they're going to be
4: there. But when the, when the bell rings, man, it's just not, it just don't look like a main event. Kevin Owens. You like Ka- KO.: You know what Well, it's funny because I was thinking of I, I was using like like the Laker, I went old school, like when the Lakers came. I was thinking about the Lakers and as a non-playoff team, and this example that we're using here. Well, you know, I I think the, you
1: know who I think the Lakers are. They're John Cena because you can't see him. Thank you. <laughs> you see him in the playoffs. That's a good one. Thank yes. you. Good, good I've night, been everybody. On that for 25 <laughs> hours. The, the ultimate That's example. Why we got you here. Thank you. Goodbye, Shine Grandy, everybody. <laughs>
4: Alrighty. Good night. We'll see you soon. <laughs> what the ultimate example of whether and we could be using it in this uh, example too of looking the part, but it wasn't there. It was the Lakers that everybody thought, oh my gosh, this is automatic. They're going to be in the final. So I went like, oh, that's an old school Lex Luger, right? Like right. It's going to be the next one. This is going to be the guy. This is But yeah, when, when it all when it's time to actually do it. Hmm.
0: Oh, Who's that guy now? I think that it, maybe Jinder because Jinder's got all the physical tools he was they well, they you don't realize at
4: Smackdown last week. You just don't realize how big that dude is. He's monstrous. Yeah. Oh gosh. He he's he's like Drew McIntyre
0: size. Yes. And then yeah, he, and is. he is. He He looks like a million bucks, and they gave him the title for a while, and they have a big fan following in India. And just for whatever reason, Ginder can't be a top guy. He's good enough to be on the roster for sure, but he could he couldn't handle that run. It's unfortunate because I,
1: I like his work. Yeah, I could see uh Jinder or also Bobby Lashley possibly for the Jazz. Yeah,
4: but didn't it go the thing is I was suspicious of Lashley too. And maybe it was my own. So my son is a Drew McIntyre guy. Okay. And the, the funniest thing about having your son get emotionally involved yep. is you get emotionally involved. Yeah. And the night or whatever it was, the, the February event last year when Miz was going to cash in, and I, I know Miz is about to cash in, and Drew wins his match. And it was fairly late at night. Celtic had lost a huge lead to New Orleans. So he'd already hit a bad yeah. day. They yeah. lost his big <laughs> yeah. lead to Zion and the Pelicans. <laughs> And Drew wins the match. I'm like, oh, you want to go to bed? Maybe we should go to bed. (laughs) bed. I think it's good. Yeah, he won the match. Yeah, it's not over yet. Yeah, it's over. He won. It's the main event. Come on, let's go. And then
1: there's music hits. And I'm like, so do you want to say Drew, maybe, for the Jets? I
4: I penciled Drew in for the Bucks. Okay. Here's why. I agree with that. They won the championship. They did an unbelievable job, but they just don't, they seem to get, I don't want to say overlooked, but no one really appreciates the championship that they won and the run that they had uh, because it would have, you know, in, in Drew's case, you know, talk about getting, talking about bad luck. <laughs> I mean, yeah. as soon as he gets handled, I, I think that within the business and the things that I read or whatever, I never hear Drew, Sasha, Bailey, Oscar, Randy or the, the, that small group that absolutely carried that thing for a year under impossible circumstances. Was was really impressive to me, and it's why I was bit when Drew lost uh, to Lashley at WrestleMania last year. I was like, part of me knowing my son was going to see because I watched it a couple of days before him. I was like a little bitter, like because obviously you want your son to be happy and you want, but I was like, you know what, he deserves in front of fans. He deserves in front right. of fans
3: because the in front the, of fans. He deserves to have that moment yeah.
4: when right. he had at that moment point,
3: in WrestleMania, and I, I was I was working at the company, and he he. Beat Brock. He worked so hard to to come back to WWE and just seeing it there and not having the fans there in that moment. I know me. I, I wanted him to have that moment, too. I'm with you. I'm with you. And also, Drew is one of the kindest, most hardworking people at, at, in the entertainment industry. Not just WWE, in the entertainment industry. He is a phenomenal human being in person. So I'm I'm glad your son likes him because he's... You know, like you said, you're not supposed to to meet the people you're fans of, but that right. that guy's a good one. That guy's a good one. And he's still
4: listen, he still could get a shot. Obviously, he's got to run with Roman coming up, probably. And then, you know, maybe it'll happen for him. But you just want him to have that one moment, like gets a win in front of the yeah. fans. It's just not it's not fair that he didn't. But again, I again I think of him and Sasha and Bailey and that go back to no one's gonna watch that again. No one's gonna go on Peacock, right? And like, hey, I want to watch that Raw from May of 2020 in the Performance Center. No one's going to go back and watch it. And they were killing themselves like every week. There was this set small group of people to keep the thing going yep. when it was all about the fans. And you can imagine like my son finally seeing it when there were fans that it's going from you know, black and white, to color in the Wizard of Oz. It's, it's just a whole whole new world. But it's, it's always amazes me that that is when it completely captivated his attention at a time when the rest of us or the rest of the, you know, the world was like, Oh my gosh, do I even want to watch this sure. every, every week? And he was just like, no, we're going to, we're into it. And Dominic Mysterio, and, you know, he, he knows uh, Drew's challengers that during that period of time, the way I know the Bob Backlund, I mean, I can, it's, it's, it's sad and my wife will roll her eyes and obviously the dog will bark at this notion. But to this day, this is how long-term memory works. I can probably recite all of Bob Backlund's opponents at Madison Square Garden for the six years in order, which is what I call a party trick for what
1: I would only imagine would be the worst party (laughs) given by anybody ever. (laughs) So if the Celtics lose in Game 7 of the finals this year, you go into the locker room. You say, "Ime, I got this. The first guy up. Bob Backlund. With and we all know it ended with the Sheik. Nope. Sit down. Sit down, Marcus. It's gonna be fun. Well, let's go. Yeah. Let's go through this. <laughs> yeah. Let's stay in the one, East. So we got Drew as the Bucks. Cut. Who are the Bulls then? A team with a ton of promise at the start of the year. Yeah.
4: That has not. That clearly what it was all kind of mm-hmm. it was all smoke and mirrors. I don't know. Is that he? To me, I, I was like I was skeptical of Lashley too, but I don't put him in that. I don't put him in that category. He's not being you know, not being legit. It was over huge. The fans love them. I don't know who's somebody that what this looks that says great sex appeal to start, but I'm not sure that the content is there.
3: I feel uh, that way. I, I, I'm going to say this about Mr. McMahon's protege, which is a bad thing. Theory. I'm I'm theory. I'm theory. It's it's just something I feel in my gut. I can't really. I just, I feel a little bit like that with theory. I don't know. Everyone keeps saying
0: but theory theory has to be Atlanta.
4: We have to make him Atlanta.
0: Why? Does I made I
4: made Miz Atlanta because yeah. they're are always going to they're always there. Yep. And Ray Young's always going to uh, like. Can I say this about like how this is why I love Miz because he just will never fall into the trap of I'm going to be a cool heel. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it the way it's supposed to be done. And. I am going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look like an idiot and get you to boo me and get you to not like me and uh that's why I'm just I'm, I'm a huge fan. I went I took my son to the show the day after Christmas at Madison Square Garden which was decimated by COVID.
1: Yeah. It was a house
4: show. It was the one that I guess Vince supposedly freaked out because they only got like 5,000 people or whatever. I was you know, I, I was two of them, my son and I were two of them. And I really love to see the people that want to work on those shows that aren't televised and really just Put on a show i think I, I i tweeted something about it because edge flew in for the show he wasn't booked but just yep. to help save the show and he you know just when they go above and beyond this is something i haven't seen written anywhere cody the other night in worcester when the show was over this reminded me of Bob back of my childhood cody stayed for a half an hour after the show signing autographs around the ring talking to the fans doing selfie you know that's the new thing now is to take somebody's phone right and then do yep. a selfie with everybody in the background and I was trying to tell my son, like, he doesn't have to do this. Don't have to do this. Bob Ackland didn't have to stay after a show at a high school gym in 1983 to sign autographs for me and any other kids that happened to be there. Because he could have just gotten in his car and driven home. But he stayed and he did it. And that's what, that's what I love to say is that, that above and beyond. thing.
0: I think a lot a of say When this came
4: out, that's what I thought. Of.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people try to romanticize whatever era they feel is the best. But I think a lot of people are are missing the fact that Cody popping over from the other company and literally just waltzing right in and the crowd embracing him as the number 1 babyface cuz right now Brock's not working and we don't know when he'll come back but without Brock Cody's the top babyface and he just walked off the other show's programming and that's insane and it's it's great to see I mean he has every time he comes out whether it's to do a promo or to do a match and sometimes on the same night to pad timing he gets the same pop every time. And it's great. They don't have a lot of baby faces. The yeah. company's like chock full of heels. So to have a baby face that's that over, that just literally left the other company and came back, it's, it's incredible. And I think people are missing that sometimes.
4: I have the argument with people. I mean, they, the Cody argument is the people that say, well, there's so, he's not quite that tip top guy. There's something missing about Cody. You know what? Let your own personal bias, however smart you think you are, look around, look at the people around you and they are responding to him. It's It's what it's what they want. And clearly this is a guy who just loves what he does, loves the business. It's obvious. He gave a the one AEW show I got to go to was in Charlotte a couple of years ago. And it was a fairly memorable, one of his really memorable promos. It was like two or three months before the pandemic. And I was, I remember being in the back and just seeing him like he walked away from everybody else. And he was just, you could see him going through, the motions of doing it, like you really, it just, it mattered. You can tell the yeah. people who it matters to you. can't be great in this business. Maybe Brock is an exception. Maybe he's not, by the way, but you can't be great. If you don't love it. I reject the premise that Brock Lesnar doesn't care about pro wrestling or WWE or whatever. He just comes in and cast. There's no way you can't be that no. good at it.
1: Yep. You he can't totally, be that he good totally at loves You don't it.
4: love it. I know it's cool. Listen, I'm not saying he doesn't, wouldn't rather be like shooting elk or whatever in Saskatchewan. I'm sure that he would. But you, can't, you cannot – that's one of the beauties of the business is you can't be great at it if you don't
0: love it. Well, and like Drew McIntyre, he kind of had to leave to patch up whatever holes he had in his game yeah. to come back yeah. as a top-tier guy. And bo- both of those guys are the, they're the, well, the top exceptions for sometimes well, you can leave and come back better.
1: Well, since we were talking about him, who, so out of all these playoff teams, who would be Cody, you think, Sean?
4: Mm-hmm. Interesting, because I know who
1: I'm rooting for. A uh,
4: team that kind of went away for a while. Maybe they're back. Maybe it's the Celtics. I don't yeah. know. So Thank the last you. couple of years, the Celtics. Yes.
1: Thank you. Wow. The Celtics
4: went away, right? For a couple of years, it looked like they were on oh, the yeah. verge of something big, Thank and they never quite. For whatever reason, didn't quite happen. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they're back in the.
1: I love back that. In the for no other reason than the fact that the in the angle in the 80s uh Rick wore the uh, Rick Flair wore the Lakers jacket and Dusty wore the Celtics jacket yeah. just because yeah. they were More they were really cutting up. each other open with cheese graters and that wasn't enough yeah. so then when the fans say oh wait they like different basketball oh they they that, they they're against each other so who's Brock Lesnar who who would be Brock Lesnar no oh, if there is a, I mean maybe is there
4: a, is it is it is it the Nets like a uh, potentially dominant team? But are they going to be there? Or are they not? I don't know. Maybe that maybe the Lakers are the better. Brock Lesnar won like they you think they're going okay. to be dominant there, but they're not there.
1: I don't know. Who, who do you have for edge? Top? Did you have any? Who, who would you say for the Nets? Did you have a Nets? Pick? I I think yeah. Well, it's got to be it's got to be the potentially dominant, uh,
4: but something internally has gone wrong between injuries or whatever or people not choosing to get vaccinated or whatever. Maybe, maybe that's Roman Reigns. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the potential top that the Roman Reigns maybe from a couple of years ago because Roman was the guy, right? How many years was it? Roman's going to be the guy. Roman's right. going to be the guy year after year after year. And there's a and lot of
1: dissension in, in the bloodline. There's always something right. going on with Paul Heyman, our old sure. boss, Paul right. Heyman and the Usos and Roman. There's always something going on. I could buy that. I wouldn't or, have some, really I did. Uh, you guys yeah. will appreciate
4: this because I did it when the Celtics about four or five years ago, they ended the Golden State home winning streak. Yep. Uh, and I had promised it's an occasional Twitter exchange once in a while with the aforementioned uh, Hall of Famer who we all bow down to, Mr. Heyman. And I had promised that if the Celtics won the game that I would do some sort of homage. And in the final seconds of the call, after it's over and the game is over, I did the whole you know, for five years, Steph Curry has been the one. But tonight, you know, Isaiah Thomas was the one for five years. Draymond Green's been the one, and for whatever the Celtics were, or the for four years, three years, Golden State won every single home game. But now they're eighty-one and you know, one. The Celtics are the one and eighty-one to one.
1: So you know, there you go. Keep that, keep that promise. Who do you have for the Raptors? Uh, let's see. They're Canadian. I you know. What?
2: I was trying to figure out a way to
4: get uh, (laughs) – Yeah, I like that one. I like that one. I was trying to get Randy Orton in somewhere, and the only team I could think of was a team that's not in here now was the Spurs Mm. because, like, every – always there, right? Old reliable. Just just when you think – just when you think you can write them off and they're not there anymore, they're – you know. Like, how many years has has his career been extended with – by being able to work with Redlow and not having to take bumps and not having to do
1: well, he's got anything. plenty of CBD oil. That's the <laughs> whether he wants it
4: or not. All he's got to do is smile. Yeah, I got to die with a 10 year old is a huge, uh, huge RK bro.
1: Mark, are they KO or do we already use him for the Raptors?
4: Well, we did, uh, the Kevin Owens' argument was whether he's legitimately a top guy or not. I think he is.
1: Like I've always,
4: I'm, I'm a. Yeah,
0: the company does too because they're using yeah. the hell out of him. I mean, that last start yeah, well, he was all over the place.
4: That's we're the still game can... end of the game, right? Just once you have the contract, then you start of to justify yep. the contract
0: and put him in that. You know. Well, and we've talked about it on the show before. He's one of the rare exceptions. He signed, he resigned with the company, and it just immediately showed up in better shape and seemed to really embrace his role and does whatever he whatever they have him in. And doesn't really, losses don't seem to hurt him. He doesn't seem to have an ego. And he just kept, he keeps popping up more and more on the show, which is great because he's very entertaining.
1: All right. Well, I want to make sure everyone uh, has time to get their picks in here. So we have Raptors, Sixers. Who do we have for Raptors? Who did we land on? Oh, yeah. Who did we land we're, on for? Uh, we're, we were taking KO because he's Canadian. I was gonna make it a yeah, yeah that's right. You gotta make it get an Edge or a Christian or something. Oh, I like Edge. I like Edge. That's good. Toronto, yep, and perfect former champion. How about the Sixers? Purple, yeah. How about, they, how about the Sixers? They,
4: Sixers? Did we end up picking somebody for Brock? Because no. maybe I like
1: that. that's the one, right? I
4: like that. Like should be should be dominant, but are they gonna yeah. be there? One. How
1: about the team? Miami Heat?
4: They're underrated. Not getting enough attention, even though all year they have constantly been. How about Dolph? Oh, that's good. All right. And then we have uh, Timberwolves. See, that to me sort of has theory written on it. Like it's not, there, okay. it's not, it's not their time yet. I'm with Joe, I, I see what you're saying, Joe. I'm, I'm not ready to make that. I'm not ready to make the call one way or the other. Way.
3: That's fair. That's it's fair. tough. When we,
4: get some, when we get somebody shoved down our throat, our natural reaction is wait a minute.
1: I agree. I'll decide.
4: Yeah. I'll decide, yep. not you. And clearly, but I, you
1: know, for the Bulls, keeps- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Chad Gable for the Bulls. <laughs>
4: just
1: <'cause he> just, <laughs> I like it. Because they, they're just annoying. Like they just should have been good. And then they're just like, just like, what are you doing? Oh, thank uh, you. I, I, I oh, love thank this. Thank you. Yeah. I, uh, I uh,
4: Grizzlies. Really stepped up. Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, we, we need somebody young, playing with the big, playing with, playing with the top level now. Mm-hmm. That we're not quite sure if they belong there, if it's a fluke, or they're going to be. Ricochet.
1: Okay, yeah, that's, that's good. good. It's got to be a Ricochet. Uh, and then we got Warrior, the Golden State Warriors. Aren't can... they kind of Orton? Yes, they're yes. Orton. Yeah. Yes. And then the Nuggets, Omos. <laughs> <laughs> they are a bit. Hey, that's true. They got Jokic, yep. who, who's a big man. That. Yep. They well, scare me. Okay, like that it. works. That okay. works. And then I think we they said j- gender for the Jazz, right? That was our. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's go through for real quick as wrestlers. Rollins or Veer. Who's winning that one? Who do we think? I think Rollins, right? Yeah. Yeah, because Veer doesn't show
4: up. They just promote him every yeah. weekend.
1: We have it's Daniel Bryan and Ginder. I'm going Daniel Bryan. What yeah. about you guys? I think we're in agreement there. Then we got Orton and Omos. Ooh, tough call. John Grandy. I gotta go Orton. I you always go Orton. I, I go Orton. I agree. Yeah, out of nowhere. Then we got Ricochet and Theory. I'm saying Theory. Yeah, I'm, I'm going theory on that one. Okay.
3: I love rico- oh, Ricochet too much. I'd go Ricochet. But yeah, I would know. too,
1: but
0: okay. Vince is making the call. Here,
3: right? It's true. You, I mean, the fact that I went against Mr. McMahon, what am I even thinking?
1: Alright, then we have uh, Dolph, Miz. Oh, damn it, pal. Yeah. Gotta be theory. Dolph and Miz? That's a close one.
3: Oh, that's mm. a fun one. I would watch yeah, that.
1: Yeah. I go Miz.
4: Yeah, because yeah, so, you know Dolph will do the right thing, right? Sacrifice yep. himself for the...
1: Brock and Edge, oof, Brock. Yeah, it gotta be Brock. Yeah, Spearfest. You got Drew McIntyre, Chad Gable. Come on, John Grandy. You know, you know who's. I can't. I can't think.
4: Yeah. Not in this house. I can't think against Drew.
1: Okay, now here we go. Cody and Roman
4: Reigns. Tough call. What do the fans want to see right now? I think the fan. I think we know what the fans want to see at SummerSlam. I'm putting Cody. Cody. They want to see. They want to see Dusty get that uh, title belt, right?
1: Yeah, given given to right, him by like his son. So let's go next round. We got Rollins, Bryan. At this stage of their careers, it's Rollins. Yeah. Right. Okay. Then we're going Orton theory. I mean, that's Orton, Right. Yep. Yep. Theory's not there yet. Uh, Then we got Miz and Brock. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Next. (laughs) Nothing against the Miz, but. First round uh, is more interesting. Okay. uh, Sean Grandy, another tough one. Drew or Cody.
4: Can't do a, uh, (laughs) can't do a WrestleMania four. Hogan and Andre. uh, Nah. Got to get them out of the tournament. Yeah, we can't.
1: Can't do that. I <laughs> you guys going to have to do that. I cannot. I got to go Cody. Yeah, same. Okay. I think because I think Drew does the right thing too. All right. Probably. So then Cody says
0: the guy in the Celtics 75th anniversary yeah. hat.
1: Okay. So then we have uh, Rollins and Orton. Got to be Rollins now. Yeah. Yeah. Shaping up. Interesting. I feel this is shaping up about the right way. Uh, yeah. And then we go down here and we have. Brock and Cody. I think that's Brock, isn't it? I do too. Yeah, I think it's Brock. Okay, so then it comes down to Brock versus Seth. I mean, gotta be Brock, right? So, I, would, I would think.
4: Or else it'd be the greatest, uh, what is it, the greatest armed robbery, the greatest robbery in the.
1: So, Julius. Our old, our old friends, James Poyser and the gang over at uh, The Tonight Show. Congratulations to the Philadelphia 76ers based on our, our WrestleMania, our wrestling NBA bracket. Your NBA champions for 2022, Sean Greenadie. Oh, sorry, I John, hope, go ahead.
0: Well, oh, I hope this is as accurate as when they have like an octopus pick whoever's going to win the championship. It
1: sounds about right. I remember we had that once as a premise at the night show, and it was like an octopus. Uh, they did it, and then it was accidentally cut up and tur- turned into sushi. And I forget whose no. joke was. It was like, what would they do with the one that got it wrong? <laughs> you know, just like <laughs> God. Sean Grandy, uh, thank you so much for joining thank you. us. you. Yes, uh, we, wanna... we
3: need to get your son on the show next week, yeah, I think. Ab- yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shine,
1: you can hear Sean Grandy, hopefully, for an extended run. Uh the Boston Celtics Radio Network at 985, uh, the sports hub in Boston with Cedric Maxwell. Um, and uh on NBA League Pass, Nation and Worldwide, if you get the uh, audio subscription, which I know I've done for years. Mr. Grandy, this has been an honor. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, yeah, let's have your son on. Let's see what he's into. See what the kid's like.
4: My pleasure, guys. I'm happy to. Uh, it's time to pass the torch to him. anyway. He yeah. to
1: carry <laughs> say hi to Max for us, all right? I will. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Sean. Bye-bye. See you, guys. How cool is that? Having Sean Grandy come on. Oh, he's the best. He's great. He's the best. Thank you for listening, everyone. Um, hey, subscribe. Give us five stars and a nice review. How hard is it? Just Julie, can they just click on five stars and a nice review? Absolutely. That's, right. That's
3: what we want to see. We want to see all the the, the nice kind reviews
1: that you have to say about us. Just give us a look. Come on. Do something. And why don't
3: you follow us on Instagram while you're at it? At TurnbucklesPod. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. I agree. Anyway. You know my take. Let the writers wear flats and no more ties. Tommy Rico, send us home. See you next week, buckleheads. Mm-hmm.